Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. And I want to welcome everybody coming from SoundCloud or wherever you're coming from all over the world. I want to invite you. I feel like you're folks that are in my own home. We love you and we pray for you every day. And I'm thankful that the Lord's got me up here again another week. And you know we're ready to ready to get going and, and uh, ready to hear the word of the Lord today. So um, let's pray. And uh, we have a very, we have an interesting special service today. It's not, not like our normal. So let's pray. If you guys want to join me in a word of prayer, and we'll get to hear what God has to say to us today. So thank you, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord God, for all that you do for us. And thank you so much, Lord God, that you've brought us here <clears throat> yet another day, yet another beautiful Sunday. Thank you so much, Lord. I thank you for all that you, uh, all that you did this week to get this message into my hands and and uh, to get it here this this beautiful Sunday in my in our little house church that we have here in McKinney, Texas. And I uh, I can't wait, Lord. It's a little different than normal, but I pray, Lord God, that uh, you just make it full of power and just uh, bless it, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, Lord God. And may it, it awaken people, Lord, to truth and reality in this world and. And may we recognize the things that are going on in our world today and in our lives and in our families and against our families. And Lord, may we be responders, Lord. May we respond to what, Lord, you have to say to us today, Lord. And and may we be doers of your word and not hearers only. So I pray, Lord God, that you would keep the devil's uh, just his distractions away from us this morning. Lord, because he is he is as much here as he's in anywhere else, Lord God, unfortunately. He doesn't leave us. Anywhere, he's just always looking for opportunities to attack us, Lord, just like he did Jesus in the garden, in in the very in, or in the wilderness, Lord, in, in the beginning of Jesus' ministry. So, Lord, I pray you bless the message and bless our time here today, and, and may you be glorified in this message, Lord, in everything we do. And may we draw nearer and closer unto you, Lord God. And we love you and we praise you, dear God. And we ask these things in Jesus' mighty name, Amen. So. Uh, Actually, in your Bibles today, you won't be turning anywhere because we have nothing to read as far as the Bible goes right up front. We're just going to have some biblical verses that go throughout our message today. So we, uh, the title of today's message, we're just going to jump right into that, is Satan's Agenda Against Christians. Again, Satan's Agenda Against Christians. Today we are stepping out of the proverbial box here at Gospel Saving Church. Normally every week I teach verse by verse, line by line, you know, precept upon precept. This week we're going to do a little different. We're actually not going to, we're going to read, like I said, we're going to read different scriptures in the Bible, but we're not going to read any, in any specific text as far as like normal. We actually jumping off the track next week, we'll be back and we'll study Matthew 19, 11 and 12, but this week... Uh, actually, this message is off of last week's sermon, Is It Legal for a Man to Divorce His Wife for Just Any Reason in God's Eyes? Today is going to be a message of exhortation and warning. So no line upon line today. You guys can sense if you want to keep your Bibles open, I'll tell you where we're going, but I'm not going to read anything initially. As I prayed this week, I felt like the Lord gave me this, this beginning of exhortation and this kind of end of warning. So what we're going to cover this week, we're going to cover number one, 
exhortation to married couples on marriage. Number two, I'm going to warn you of dangers you will face as Christians married with families. And number three, we're going to talk about warnings to Christians of dangers you'll face in your walk with Jesus Christ. So last week we talked about you know Jesus' whole spiel to his disciples in Matthew 19, verses 1 through 10, where these Pharisees came to him and they started attacking him and asking him questions about, you know, divorce. You know, is it is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? You know, even though they they knew the reason. And Jesus answered them. And although their remember their question was very attacking toward Jesus, he answered them anyway. And it was good for us to hear that no, divorce is not okay for just any reason. Okay? There's only one reason that God allows for divorce, and that's infidelity. And so we went through all that and his his answers to the Pharisees there. And we learned about you know marriage and we learned about divorce and we learned different statistics about you know divorce and so on and so forth. And so on that, because we already know, and if you weren't here last week or you didn't hear, listen last week, we learned that divorce rates in America, I'm not sure about the rest of the world, are very high. Something like 41 to 50% for your first marriage and the 60% for your second marriages in the, in, in, 70s, in the 70s of percentiles when you get to your third marriages. So this week, I have an exhortation to begin the message to married couples and Christians that are married. I want to tell you right off the bat, with everything that's going on in our world and how marriage is not sanctified anymore. Marriage is not, nobody cares about marriage anymore. Marriage is just something people just, married. they get into marriage and then a year later, a few years later, they get tired of their spouse and they just divorce and they don't think it's anything at all. And so this morning, first off, I want to exhort you, married couples, to work it out. If you're listening to this message and you're married and you're a Christian especially, you need to work it out. I exhort you not to give up on your marriage. Marriage is not easy. But then again, no relationship is easy at all. At all. No, no matter what relationship you're in. I don't care if you have a friend. I don't care if you have a neighbor. If you have a relationship with a neighbor, a relationship with a friend, even a relationship with God, I'll say, these relationships are not easy. Relationships are not easy in your own family. Uh, me as a father with my sons, me, me as a, a son to my mom and dad, relationships are just not easy. Relationships take work. And you're going to have problems in relationships. Relationships are going to, it's full of problems. You know, you do something that they don't like and then they get offended. And they, they do something that you don't like and you get offended. So no matter what though, Love has to be your core on your relationship. Love. You love people no matter what. Love them. Because relationship's not easy and you will go through difficult times. There are components to relationship that we need to work on as people. Here are some of the components we need to work on in relationships as people. In any relationship, it doesn't work unless you have compromise. What is compromise? Compromise means it's, it's not all my way and it's not all their way. Compromise is, is you guys find a middle ground to settle on. 
I, but I, I like it this extreme, and she likes it that extreme, and well, guess what? You got to compromise and come from your two far extremes and you need to come into the middle and say, well, you know what? Because I love her, you know, I don't have to have it 100% my way. And then you as a woman need to say, well, because, you know, I love him. Uh, you know what? I don't have to have it 100% my way. I'll lower it down to 50. And, uh, you know, examples. She likes to go out to dinner every night of the week, but you are frugal as a man or as a husband and you think well we just can't afford that we can only go out to dinner twice a week or once a week well then you it's you're on the extreme on one with one and she's on the extreme with seven guys narrow it down come down to like three you know and 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 compromise with one another instead of making it an end all well because he uh, he only he doesn't want to give in and i don't want to give in that's it i just we just can't get along compromise compromise is huge in a marriage, in a relationship. Like I said, the key foundation, love. You have to love one another. Love is not a word. Love is an action. You need to be loving one another, doing things for one another to show them that you love them. Nice, kind gestures. You know, something that they wouldn't expect you to do. Not just bringing flowers or candy on Valentine's Day, but love them outside of the norm. Not just a card, you know, for, for their birthday. I mean, do something nice, something they wouldn't expect. Love them. Love is an action. A very, another important key to marriage or relationship is sacrifice. We have to sacrifice. Sacrifice what we think we need. You know, if we just can't afford it, we need to, uh, to exercise sacrifice to make a marriage or a relationship work. And then finally, another big key is togetherness. Or unity. You have to be united. You can't always be against one another. You have to be united. Togetherness. You know, making decisions not, you know, it's easy in a marriage for the man to make all the decisions or the wife to want to make all the decisions. But instead of making decisions on your own, her or you, come together and decide whether you're going to make that decision. Friday, there was a opportunity at work and there was a really great deal on this product that I wanted to buy at this place I work and I thought man I'm just gonna buy it and it was a really great deal on something that we didn't necessarily need but still you know what we what we had could have broken any time and you know we, we could have needed this thing so I was really wrestling with myself should I buy this one thing should I buy this this product and so I thought no you know what let me call my beautiful wife and let me talk to her about it and just hear what she thinks about it. So of course I called her and I wasn't a whole 100% one way or the other. So I called my beautiful wife and I said, honey, I said, here's this great deal on this thing. It's down 90%. It's 90% off. What do you think? And I tried to make it exaggerate. 90%, you know, it's down this much. And she said, oh, yeah, but honey, we don't need that and it doesn't work. You know, we'd have to do this. And I said, oh, you know what? You're right. That's a good idea. And we compromised. We came together to make a decision. Instead of me making a decision, it would have made her mad. And we came together and had togetherness and unity on the issue and in the decision we made. And I just didn't make it on my own. This all shows love. This all means, this all makes for good, healthy relationships, not just a bully man or a bully woman just doing whatever they want and then the other spouse, husband or wife get tired of that and then they, you know, they just, I can't deal with this and then I got to go. 
coming together, being unified. All these things make for good marriages, good, successful relationships. So I just, you know, exhort you, work it out. No problem can overcome love. No matter what issue you got going on, no problem or no issue can overcome your love for one another. As long as you love one another and you love them, then any problem can be overcome. Here are some warnings and and dangers that you'll face in your marriage. Whether or not you know it, there is a real devil out there. There's a real devil and there's real demons that hate you. They hate biblical marriage between man and a woman. They hate your family. That He hates your children. And all he wants to do is destroy you. So we can't forget not only those physical aspects of what relationship takes and what marriage takes to work, we can't forget there is a spiritual side to life. There is a spiritual side that we don't see, but it's all around us. And so we can't forget the most important part of a successful marriage or a successful relationship. And that's this, faith in Christ and prayer for your family and your marriage. I exhort you, Christian married couples, don't let the devil win and destroy your marriage or your family. Pray, 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 and pray some more for one another. No matter how bad it looks, and no matter how good it is, we need to be praying for our families and our marriages. Jesus said of Satan in John 10.10, the thief, meaning the devil, does not come except to steal, kill, and to destroy. And he won't just try to do this with your marriage. And he won't just try to do this with your relationships. He'll try to do this in every aspect of your life if you let him. He'll do this with your job. He'll do this with your home. He'll do this with your responsibilities. He'll do this with everything that he can that you'll give him in your life. He comes but no other reason except to kill, steal, and destroy. So Christians, we must fight him. We must fight him with every last breath. We must fight him. But he's invisible. We can't see him. He's not right there. We can't reach out and touch him. We can't punch him. We can't smack him. How do we fight him? How do we fight a devil that we can't see? Paul tells us in Ephesians 6.12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood and against principalities, against powers, against, excuse me. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So we don't wrestle against someone we can see. We don't wrestle against someone that we can physically touch physically put in a headlock, physically put our, you know, our feet on his neck and, and cut his head off, which I'd love to do many days. So there's only one way that we can fight this devil. And like I said again, we fight by prayer. So those that are married, be praying for one another and for your children daily and fervently. Whether you know it or not, you are in a war. We are in spiritual war every day. And I know there's countries out there that have physical war right now. We could pray for those too, Syria. All the countries that have the physical war going on, people shooting against people, you know, people killing people on their own countries. 
But whether anybody knows it or not, the reality is we're in a spiritual war every day. And our enemy is the devil and the fallen angels. And all he wants to do is to kill, steal, and destroy everything that we'll give him in our whole lives as well. So I exhort you, again, in your marriages, in your relationships, in your families, with your children, to persevere. We have to keep going. We can't give up. No matter how bad it gets, no matter how good it is, we need to keep going. No matter how tall the hill seems, no matter how high up the peak seems to be, no matter what it, it, it seems, I just can't get to it. But, but Pastor Ed, I, I feel like I'm walking up the side of a mountain with, with, with ice skates on and it's ice. And I got no picks. How do I get up there? How do I go? How do I do? Persevere. You keep going. You find a way. You scratch and you claw and you bite that ice and you claw your way up the mountain and you do it with your teeth if you have to. You just keep going. You persevere. Jesus says this in Scripture. He says, To those who endure to the end, they should be saved. And of course, this is speaking of salvation for yourself in, in spiritual context. Because if we come to Christ and we're 25, and we, we're strong with the Lord for 10 years, and then at 35, we just get offended at God, and we just, ah, I can't take this anymore, and I've seen it happen, and then you just walk away. Well, you didn't endure to the end, so you're not going to be saved in the end. But this principle, those who endure with this perseverance, you know, enduring this perseverance to the end, they, they should be saved, it actually applies across the board. In your life, this applies across the board in your life. Okay? You could say this, those that endure to the end in their marriage, those who endure to death in their marriage will succeed. They will be successful. Those who endure in their job. There are many days I don't really want to go to work because I'm tired or I've got something going on or I'm not feeling good or I've got some mental things, some, some issues that I'm worrying about that just, just want to destroy me. Those who endure and keep going in their job will be successful at their job. Even if you're working on a project. If you're working on a project and you stop halfway through, the project never gets done. But if you endure and you finish the project, no matter how what you have to go through to do it, then you'll be successful. So this goes to show you that those who endure to the end, those who endure to the finish line, will be successful even no matter how long it takes you to get there. Those who endure in their marriages, those who endure in their jobs, those who endure in their relationships will be successful, will have success. So on that war subject, because we're at war, remember, just to show you how the devil has been at war against Christians and our families, I have a writing that I found, God actually sent me a long time ago, years ago, and I read it over and I thought, you know what, an awesome writing. This, wow, this really addresses the you know, problems that I see in our culture today, in our world today. But as I, as I was preparing this message this week, the Lord laid it on my heart to read this, you know, to go over this message I got, this little writing I have from years ago. And it's an unknown author. He said, it has no author. So nobody claimed up, stepped up, and said, it's mine. So it's out there and everybody can get it. But as I started reading it, 
And knowing what I know now and being almost 40 years old as I am and having great life experiences and walking with the Lord for almost 15 years, there's a lot of things I saw that the writing needed. And so, so there was no copyright on it. And so because nobody claimed to write it, I modified it and I made it more specific and more key to what I see that's going on now. But the core of it, I would say about 30, maybe 30% was all still there and it still remains as it is. But it really shows you, it's really going to hit you right between the eyes on the subject of marriage and divorce and family and the wars that we're facing every day, especially in America. I'm not sure about the rest of the world. Maybe the rest of the world too. I'm going to read it. So I'm going to read it. It's actually where the title of our sermon came from today. I'm going to read it and then talk about it. And as I read it, I want you to think about our American culture and what you see that's going on in your world, wherever you are, because I don't know about other countries, but I know that America is facing some terrible, terrible, terrible things to its citizens and to the people that live here. And the devil is attacking us, and he's at war with us. And I'm, so I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to talk about it. And I want you to think about what's going on in our world. And I titled it, Satan's Agenda Against Christians. That's the new title I gave it. It starts out, I hope this really makes you think. Are you aware of the agenda that Satan has against you, Christian? Please read this so you can understand the ways in which the enemy of your soul has been destroying people's lives for a long time. And it begins. Satan called a worldwide convention demons. In his opening address, he said, We can't keep Christians from going to church. We can't keep them from reading their Bibles and knowing the truth. We can't stop them from sharing their faith. Once they gain that connection with God through Jesus Christ, we cannot rip them out of God's hands. But we can still possibly lure them back into turning away from God and unto destruction. Because remember what Peter said. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. So let them go to their churches and have their covered dish dinners and their fellowships, because I have many workers already behind the pulpits of many churches, causing people to stray from the way. So I have that angle covered, but I want to go after them in their personal lives and walks with God also. So how do we do this, the demons shouted. How do we start, the demons yelled. Let's begin by stealing their personal time so they don't focus on an intimate relationship with God. And let's distract them from their focus on their Savior so they forget to maintain a vital communication with Him throughout their day. Tell us how to go about it, the demons shouted. Tell us how, they chanted. Well, let's start like this, devil says. First, keep them busy in the non-essentials of life and invent innumerable schemes to occupy their minds. Second, tempt them to spend, 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 and borrow, borrow, borrow. Because then, like Proverbs says, they, the borrowers, will become slaves to their lenders, which will then force the wives to have to go to work for long hours and the husbands to work six and seven days each week 
10 to 12 hours a day so they can afford their empty lifestyles, which will in turn will create stress and resentment between them as they try to figure out how to pay back that debt. Fourth, and as they work more and more, this will keep them from spending time with their wives and their children, which will eventually do what? It'll fragment their families as they're at work more and more and more. Five, and the more the men don't spend time with their wives, their relationships will become more distant and they will become lonely. So let's take advantage of this loneliness and put pictures of skinny, beautiful supermodels in magazines and on the TV. And this will call them, and this will cause them to become dissatisfied with their wives because they will start believing that outward beauty is more important. And once they become dissatisfied with their wives, they will get divorced and go after a younger, more beautiful girl whom they think will satisfy them more. And the children, oh yes, the children... They will think divorce is okay and normal the more that they do it and will get desensitized to it and then we can start that generational curse. As they learn that behavior, they'll just grow up thinking divorce is just normal and natural. And even better yet, when people divorce and then try to remarry and start over without changing their ways and their behaviors and, and, and resisting our traps, it'll be easier to cause them to divorce the more times that they remarry. And in the midst of all these things we do, to destroy their marriages and families. I also want you to try hard to cause them to fall away from God. So, number six, overstimulate their minds so they can't hear his still, small voice. Seven, entice them to play their radios, their CD players whenever they drive and get them to keep the TVs, VCRs, CDs, and computers and smartphones going constantly in and away from their homes and see to it that every store and restaurant in the world plays non-Christian music constantly, which will assuredly jam their minds and break their union with God. Then number eight, make sure that the coffee tables are full of magazines and newspapers and pound their minds with the news 24 hours a day and invade their driving moments with billboards. Flood their mailboxes with junk mail. Mail order catalogs, sweepstakes, and every kind of newsletter and promotional offerings. Offering free products, services, and false hopes, which they can run after in vain hope. Number nine, even in their recreation, let them become excessive. Have them return from their recreation exhausted. Keep them too busy to go out in nature and reflect on God's creation. Attract them to amusement parks, sporting events, plays, concerts, movies. Instead, you can even add video games, I'll add to that. And when or if they meet for fe spiritual fellowship because they might be too busy and distracted, they will leave with troubled consciences and hesitate to come again, which as the saying goes, many coals will burn for hours together, but remove one and place it by itself and it will extinguish, extinguish quickly. And I don't only want to destroy their marriages and their families and their faith, I also want to go after the faith of their children. So number 10, give them Santa Claus. So their children never learn the real meaning of Christmas and believe that the day is all about just getting stuff. Number 11, give them the Easter bunny so they only think about candy and Easter egg hunts instead of the Savior's resurrection and power over sin and death. Give them Halloween and really promote it as just a day of fun and candy and hide our real agenda so they will believe it's okay to practice it. 
And as they do, they will un- unknowingly compromise their faith in God and ignore Paul's warning in 2 Corinthians 6.14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness. Overall, just keep them busy, distracted, and chasing after the temporary pleasures of the flesh. I want you to crowd their lives with so much business and so many problems that they have no time to seek God's power. Then they will try to live in their own strength and sacrifice their health and family for the temporary pleasures and treasures of this world. Once they are overworked and unhappy and their families and lives are falling apart, then we will whisper in their ears and tell them all their troubles are all God's fault. Just like I did in the the beginning with their ancestors. Then once they blame Him instead of themselves and get offended with God, they will turn away from Him and forsake their relationship with Him and try to find peace and happiness in alcohol, drugs, pornography, and other lusts of the world. But of course, they will find no lasting happiness in those things which will cause them to keep going back more and more until they are addicted, which will then leave their lives or leave them utterly destroyed. And as they slip more and more away from God, they will eventually die in their sins, having never repented before God, and they will plummet into the pit in eternal torment forever and ever. Ha, ha, ha. The demons all shouted, It it will work! It will work! The devil said, It is quite a plan. So the demons went eagerly to their assignments, trying to deceive people everywhere and trying to make them so busy that they have little time for God or their families, and, ha- and to have little time to tell others about the power of God to change their life. I guess the question is, has the devil been successful in his agenda against you? You be the judge. He certainly has been successful in America as a whole. When I read that, and I modified it, what I see is going on in our world today it just punches you right in the face it smacks you right between the eyes because everything that we see in there is happening there's nothing funny about that writing the ideas of that writing portrayed the real text tactics that the devil uses to try to destroy us and our families and you can easily see all these tactics being used in our society right now I want to go over some of the steps that Satan used there in his meeting because we've got some statistics here for you. And I want, to see, I want you to see how, what the devil did and what the devil said there in his, in his writing there, in that writing, really have affected our society as a whole. On debt. Remember step two. Step two was tempt them to buy, 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 which will cause them to get in debt, Right? As debt as a whole in America, the country itself is almost $18 trillion in debt right now. A debt that will never be able to be paid off, ever. On our personal debt of Americans, or on the personal debt of Americans, according to the website debt.org, and it's a real place, I went to it, Americans are drowning in debt. They also say the modern-day credit card, which entered uh, the scene in in the late 50s, has meant financial disaster for many individuals and families. Look at there. What did Satan try to do? 
get us to buy, 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 and go into debt and be slaves to the lenders. And it's meant financial disaster for many individuals and families. And they have these statistics here. Consider these statistics about personal debt in America, they say. More than 160 million Americans have credit cards. The average credit card holder has at least three credit cards. And on average, each household with a credit card carries more than $15,000 in credit card debt. Total U.S. consumer debt is at $11.4 trillion. That includes mortgages, auto loans, credit cards, and student loans. Consider also that this $11.4 trillion debt only comes from a population of right about 350 million Americans. Okay? But then when you factor out all the children, every household having at least one child up to you know two or three, that number drops considerably. And although I don't know the exact number on how many adults there are that hold that $11.4 trillion debt, I put it at somewhere right around anywhere from 150 to 200 million Americans hold that $11.4 trillion debt. That is, without a doubt, mind-blowing. I don't even want to know the number to average out to each family because there's families that are way, 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 way in debt and then there's families that have very little, 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 you know, little debt. But overall, about 150 to 200 million adults in America hold $11.4 trillion of debt. That's, that's insane. And all this debt comes from buying things that we really can't afford to buy but we just have to have now. I just want it now. Give it to me now. I can't wait. I can't save. I can go out and get that credit card and I can have it now. And when you think about it, start paying all that credit card debt back at high interest rates, how it's exactly like what that writing said on steps three and five, which were, the wives will have to go to work for long hours. Husbands six, seven days a week. As they're away at work more, the, fr- the families get fragmented. And then families stop spending a-, a lot of time with one another. And that's exactly what we see happening. And listen to this. When everyone is working like a dog just to pay back all this debt at high interest. And we, start, and, and we are separated from our families. And we start resenting, husbands and wives start resenting one another because we can't pay back that debt. And we're gone all the time. And we're away at work all the time. What's the natural thing that's going to happen is loneliness and desire are going to creep up on us. And they absolutely do play a part in our lives. Upon loneliness that couples are faced are facing due to long hour work days and the separation of their families along with this resentment that's built because of the debt and all the temptation that's out there from the perfect looking people that the advertisers put on the TV and on the magazines. Listen to this. Website truthaboutdeception.com says that although infidelity statistics are a hard thing to put your finger on completely, it's estimated that roughly 30 to 60% of all married individuals in the United States 
will engage in infidelity at some point during their marriage. And that these numbers are probably on the conservative side when you consider that close to half of all marriages are ending in divorce. By the way, this is not a Christian website that I know of. Usually Christian websites give some glory to God or give some glory to Jesus Christ. This website, truthaboutdeception.com, said nothing about God or religion or faith or anything. These numbers are coming out of strictly what they've done polls on and strictly what they see is happening to our country. 30 to 60% of all married individuals will engage in some form of some form of infidelity at some point in their marriage. And guess what they said was like a main reason why that's happening. Let's, let's look at this. Again, again, not a Christian website. Again, this writing that I got was written years ago, and I didn't modify this part. And what is one of the reasons they attribute the high rate of unfaithfulness to? Listen to this. As more and more women enter the workforce... Office romances are becoming more common. Spouses often spend more time with co-workers than with each other. So married people are going into their jobs. They have high debt. Women are forced to work because of the debt that we made for ourselves. Once we're there, we as married couples are spending more time at the office with other people we have resentment against our families because of all the debt and because we can't pay it back because we're stressed out. And then this website says that spouses often, are, spouses often spend more time with coworkers than with each other. And more and more women are finding office romances because they're with these guys that aren't their husbands and their families more and more and more. All because of debt, people are being forced to work more. And spend more time with co-workers than their spouses and their families. And because they're dissatisfied, because of our advertising, and because of resentment, because of the debt, they're finding it easier to go out and say, hey, this guy, he's going to bring me happiness. Or this girl, she's going to bring me happiness because well, I'm, I'm not angry with them. Unbelievable. And as these people are having these affairs with one another, of course, what's going to happen? Divorce follows shortly after, just like that writing talked about. Remember in America, first marriage 41 to 50%, second marriage 60 to 67%, third marriage 73 to 74% of people are getting divorced. Because why? Because of all these problems that that writing, Satan's agenda against Christians, Satan's agenda against really all people, what he's won, what he's doing, what he's succeeded in doing. And we see it in our society today. And the more people divorce, as I said earlier, the more the children just accept it. Because we have in our world, in our natural state of how we learn, we have learned behavior. We learn to be whoever those that raise us learn us to be. We'll grow up exactly like the people that raised us. And as our husbands and wives in America get divorced more and more and more and more and more, the children see it and they think it's a normal thing. So for future generations, there's curses because of what you're doing right now. And what does all this add up to? Destruction of the biblical marriage and the family unit in America. All I could say is 
that writing should have hit you right between the eyes. Because guess what? Satan knows how to get to us and take us down. And, the, and on the dangers to your personal walk with God, look at steps 6 through 9 again. What did he say? Overstimulate their minds so they cannot hear his still small voice. Our TVs are always on. We're always on our phones. We go out and we go and we go shopping. And when we go shopping, we listen to this garbage music that the stores play that's not godly. And those tunes, they stay in your mind. And as those tunes stay in your mind, your mind is overstimulated. And what are you not doing? You're not thinking about God. You're not focusing on your relationship with Him. You're focusing on whatever that TV commercial was trying to sell you. Or whatever that song was in that grocery store that you just went to. Listen. Entice them to play their radios, CD players, whenever they drive. And get them to keep their TVs and VCRs and CDs and computers and smartphones going constantly. And now we have it in the home and away from the home. We have all these multimedia devices constantly going. Constantly piping into our eyes. Constantly going into our soul. Constantly teaching our brain what to do. And all this adds to us not thinking about our Lord on a daily basis because we're too busy watching our TV shows, playing our video games, playing our little smartphones and talking to people over and over and more and more and more and more and more. And all this does what? It jams our minds and it breaks our communication with God. All these things help us not to be able to think about the one that gave us life. Step eight. Newspapers, magazines, news, 24 hours a day. All the billboards that you drive along and see on the side of the road, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. And what are they trying to do? They're trying to get your attention. Buy me. Buy me. Purchase me. Come to me. When Jesus said, come to me, not go to them. All the junk mail, all the sweepstakes, and every kind of newsletter Promotional offering, offering free products, services, false hopes, and that we run after them in vain hope. We run after them. That's going to be my hope. And not God. And even in our recreation, we go, and in our recreation, we just can't sit at home and have conversation as a family. We have to be constantly going out and doing things. Constantly busy. Constantly going. Going, 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 going. Going, 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 and gone. And that's what we're looking at. That's exactly what's going on in our world. And then we got steps 10 through 12. That's not bad enough that he attacks us that way. Not bad enough that we long for those things, so that's all we go after throughout our everyday lives. Then he goes after our children in steps 10 through 12. Have you ever thought about the fact that when you teach your child about Santa Claus for Christmas, oh, I mean, yeah, Jesus is there, and all that was when Jesus was born, but oh, Santa Claus, and let's go to the store, and let's get presents. As a child, a child is much like an adult, except for they're just a bit more mature, or, or more immature, I should say. Some children are more mature than adults, but children as a whole are more immature than adults. 
And when you teach your child for the real deal about Santa Claus, and you teach them that, you know, Santa Claus is going to bring you these presents, they're not thinking about, yeah, Jesus may be there, but you're compromising. And as you ever think about it, when you're telling your children about Santa Claus, which is a figure that does not exist, you're lying to them. How about the Easter Bunny? Same thing. There is no such thing as Santa Claus. There is no such thing as the Easter Bunny. Those are lies. The Tooth Fairy, where you're lying to your children. You're lying. These things don't exist. Oh, well, they're just fanciful. Well, no, you're teaching your children. And of course, the devil has attacked these, these holidays that Christians held for years. Glor- supposed to be glorifying and honoring God. Why? Because Christmas is one of the greatest days of the year. And so is Resurrection Day, which people call Easter. Because it, they celebrate the day that the Savior of the world was born. And the day that the Savior of the world died and resurrected from death. To beat death. And to give us new life. But if we can just... Oh, it's okay. Oh, just Easter bunnies and egg hunts and oh, presents and all these goodies. Oh, all those things to a child. Well, wow. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, Jesus. Yeah, I, yeah, I know Jesus. Oh, wow, I just want that stuff. Oh, candy. Oh, candy. Don't you see the deception? Don't you see the lie? Don't you see the evil? The way that he's undercut us? The way that he's get us to compromise our faith? Halloween. There is a real place called the Church of Satan that's in this world today. If you're listening to this message and you didn't know that, it was created by Anton LaVey back many, many, many years ago. Anton LaVey, he was the founder of what was called now, what's called today, the Church of Satan. And whether you know it or not, that Church of Satan on Halloween, which you think is so wonderful to let your kids participate in, oh, because there's candy, you know, it's just fun and games. That Church of Satan really goes out and they sacrifice children. They hunt animals. There's certain states where it's worst, where so much pagan activity goes on that they report that they say, people, keep your animals in that night because if you don't, your animal may not be there in the morning when you get up. Because these demonically filled, demon-filled, possessed people that follow the Church of Satan, on Halloween they go, because that's their high day, and they go steal animals just for sacrifice and sacrifice to the devil. They raise up children just to sacrifice them to the demons and to their God, which is the devil. And that's what real Halloween is. That's why Satan has the real day of Halloween. Not just a day of candy, but a day of fun. And what does all these things teach your children how to do? Number one, it teaches them, because they're going to find out as I did, that one day when I was a child, my mom and dad lied to me, and they told me Santa Claus was real, and they, they told me this and that were real. Well, the day I remember very vaguely, very vividly, the, the day I was 10, 11, 12 years old, and I, re- I realized that Santa Claus was not real. I hated my mom and dad. I ran into my room, I slammed the door, and I wasn't going to come out because they lied to me, and we weren't even Christians, and I realized that there was no Santa Claus, and they lied to me, and I was so angry, and we weren't even followers of God. If you claim and you call yourself a Christian, and you're teaching your children about Santa Claus at all, that's a fictitious figure, and that's a lie. Don't lie to your children. Because then that teaches them when they grow up, oh, I can believe in Jesus and lie to my children and teach them about Santa Claus too, which is a fictitious figure. Don't lie to your children. Teach them the reason for Christmas, the real reason for Christmas, the real reason for Easter. But the devil, 
He's got an agenda. And that agenda is always about giving nice, tasty, good, delicious things. And it's always about detracting from the real truth unto a lie. And that's exactly what we see going on in our world today. It's exactly what we see. And you put all this together. All the debt, all the lies, all the compromising of your faith. All the anger and the animosity between married couples. And you put all this together. And these things have literally ruined lives. They've ruined families. And they can lead to your faith being ruined as well too. So my close to my Christians, my brothers and sisters out there that really love God and maybe didn't know some of the things that I said today. You can see these things in our world being played out right now in our world. They're right there. If you, any, Jesus said, those who have eyes to see, let them see. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Hear the things that I said. See the things that I said. They're right there. They're right plain in front of your face. You can't deny them. And Christians and Christian married couples, be ready for the battle that you are in the midst of. And don't let that devil succeed in his agenda against you and your family. You need to stand firm in your faith in Jesus Christ and fight against the devil's evil agendas. Christians, starting, you need to get out of debt. You need to get out of debt and get your wives home more. Quit going and buying things that you don't need. Start by spending more time with your families and less time at work. Buy less things. In a hundred years from now, that new TV that you needed won't even be there in your own home. Nowadays, we're blessed if things last five or ten years, the thing, the way that they're made in China and all, they're all junk. They're all junk. And you're spending your lives going after all these things that won't profit you for eternity. Instead, you're going out and you're spending all your time working and working for all these things that you get yourself in debts for and paying 25 and 30% on your interest rates on your credit cards that you won't pay. You'll be pay back $1,000 worth of debt for 20 years. And then it's going to cause you to work more and then you can't raise your children. You won't be home to give your children what they need. You're going to resent your wife the more debt you're in. Christians, get out of debt. Spend less time at work and more time at home being a family. And start praying. Pray for one another. Pray for your kids. Pray for your wife. Pray for yourself. Pray for the church. Pray. And get on your knees. Get up earlier every day. And stop being lazy. And get up and start praying. Because these things are real. And these things have been happening. And you can see them. And you might be involved in them right now. This might be you. You might have fallen into these traps. Well, God says repent because these things will all end in disaster. These things will all end in devastation. These things will all end in destruction for you and your families. Christian statistics don't lie. Almost 50% on first marriages are getting divorced. Almost in the 60s of percentiles for the second marriages. And in the third, almost in the 70s. Christians, these statistics don't lie. Stop being selfish. 
Stop, stop being so self-absorbed and it's all about you. Compromise. Love. Pray. Don't let the devil get in there. Christian men, love your wife, the Bible says, as Christ loves the church and gave his life for it. This means that you give all of yourself to God first, and then everything that God gives you back, give to your family, and that's a lot. I did that years ago, and I love my family more now, and I spend time with them, but I love them more now, even though I love God first in my life than I ever loved them back when I just didn't live for God at all, and I lived for me, and I had 100% of my day to do whatever I wanted with my day. And I love them more now than I did back then, and I, and I love God more, and I actually have someone above them to love when I could have loved them first before. Christian women, the Bible says, be submissive to your husbands. Take a stand, Christians, and do what God says. Stop living in the ways of the world. Worldliness and godliness don't mix. Debt, these evils, Halloween and Easter and Christmas and, and, and celebrating them and the way the world says to celebrate them, we need to put our foots down and we need to stop. We need to stop. And we need to turn to God and turn to Christ and say, God, teach me how to live. and Teach me how to raise my family. And we need to be going to the Bibles more and reading how God says, raise your family this way, not that way. And guys and girls, be home. Be home and be a family unit. Spend time together. My close to any unbelievers out there that may be listening. Just like I've been saying several times throughout this message. As you could see, you see all these things out there. Now, you may not even believe in a devil, but you may be seeing all these things that I've been talking about. And you may be like, well, I see him, but yeah, there's no devil. Oh, come on, pastor, really? Come on. Well, I challenge you with this. I can show you that the devil is a real being. And you want to know how? I can prove to you the devil's real. It's called origins. Something God gave me years ago. Everything has an origin. You. You, you, you're only here because your mom and dad were here. You exist because they had, you know, relations and they made you and then you're there only there because of their parents. And they're only there because of their parents. So everything has a beginning. Everything has a beginning. So does, though, I challenge you with this, so does good and so does evil. Good has an origin, like good, pleasant, beautiful things. They have an origin too. And evil all the evil that's in the world today, the murders, the rape, the rapists, the, all the evil that's out there in our world today, it all has an origin. It all starts from some place. We say, well, Pastor Ed, people are just evil. Okay, well, where did the evil come from in those people? Why are they so evil? Why is there so much temptation to do evil? And you know it yourself. There's so much temptation to do evil. Oh, I could just speed. Oh, it doesn't matter. Oh, I'll never get caught. Oh, I don't just take that one thing. Oh, it doesn't matter. I'll just take it. Oh, nobody will ever catch me. Oh, I'll, I'll just, you know, nobody ever find out that I'm on this child porn site. Oh, oh, yeah. It's all evil. Where did all the evil come from? Evil has a beginning, has an origin too. And that's how I can show you that the devil's real. Look at all the evil in the world today. Evil exists and has a creator, and his name is the devil, or Satan. And he is a liar, as Jesus said from the beginning, when he lied to Adam and Eve in the garden. And he's been a liar ever since. He's the father of lies, Jesus called him. 
And the devil is bent on one thing, my friend. If you listen to this message or if you, you, know, you find yourself listening to this message and you're not a Christian, the devil's bent on one thing, your destruction. He wants to destroy you. And one of the biggest tricks that the devil has, and it's not a treat, is to cause you to not investigate or care about, one, Jesus Christ, two, your salvation, and three, your eternity after you die. Because if he can get you not to investigate these things and not to care about these things and then to just push them off, one day it's going to be too late for you. And you're going to die because you're never going to care about any of these things because the devil's tricked you and not treated you. okay? And you're going to plummet to hell forever. Because since you never investigated these things, then you never can respond to what God wants you to do. Because God's calling out to you right now, even through my voice, even through my words. He's saying, come to me. I love you even though you don't care about me, even though you don't know who I am, even though you don't love me. I love you. And I sent my son to die for you on the cross to pay for your sins so that you could have fellowship with me and have eternal life with me as well. Come to me, my son or my daughter, and find out how much I love you. And if you come, if you start to investigate, if you start to check me out, I'll reveal myself to you. In the story of the prodigal son in the Bible, as the prodigal son realized his evil and realized where he was at, as he came back to the father who represented God, and the prodigal son represents somebody that wasn't with God, As the prodigal son made his way back to the father who represented God, as God was out there, God was looking for them. God was constantly looking for them. Hey, where's my son? I wish he'd come back. Oh, I hope he'd come back. As the son came to the father, the father saw the son afar off. And what did the father do? He ran to his lost child. He ran to his lost child son or daughter. In this story, it was a son. In real life today, if you're a woman, then you're a daughter. God will run to you if you start seeking him. So I implore you by the mercies of God, don't let the devil trick you into not checking these things out and not investigating God or Jesus Christ and plummeting to your eternal destination in hell forever because that's not what God wants for you. God loves you and he wants to save you right now. So turn to Him. I exhort you, please seek Him. Seek Him. Please seek Him. Start praying, God, are you really real? Do you really exist? Because He loves you. Let's pray. Lord, thank You so much for Your Word today. Thank You so much for Your love. Thank You so much for Your mercy. And thank You, Lord God, that You're calling sinners to Yourself right now. I pray, dear God, that they would respond. And they would surrender to you right now. And they would fall on their faces and realize that they're wrong and they need you. And I pray for Christians out there that are listening. Those that are calling themselves by your name. But yet they're entangled in all the different agendas that Satan has been successful at their lives. And I pray, dear God, that you would draw them to repentance. Draw them away from those evils, Lord God. Draw them to truth. Draw them to justice. Draw them to, to, to just 
getting away from those evil things and getting back to you and getting back to their families. Please, God, open the people's eyes with this message and draw them to Christ and draw them to the things of you. Bring us to repentance, Lord God, in all the ways which we're wrong, that we've even seen it when we were listening or preaching this message. We love you and we praise you, God, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Praise God, everyone. It's Pastor Ed here. and Thank you so much for listening to the message. It's my prayer that you were encouraged and challenged with what you heard today to be a doer of God's word and not a hearer only. Because your life will soon be passed and only what you've done for Jesus Christ will last. If you live in the Dallas, Texas area, we want to invite you to come to our little house church here in McKinney, Texas. Sunday mornings, our service is at 1015 and the directions can be found on our website. Also, if you have any prayer requests or questions or maybe you believe God has called you to support this church financially, please go to gospelsavingchurch.com and click on the appropriate links. I would love to hear from you personally. God loves you very much. Please love Him back by the way you live your life. God bless you and have a wonderful day.